0: Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now, on today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is starting a new series entitled, 50 Days That Changed the World, as he talks about those days that followed the crucifixion and resurrection at Passover to Pentecost. Well, if you're looking for a church to call your home, we invite you to come and to worship with us at Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And if you need more information, you can visit us at calvaryfayetteville.com or call at 479-442-4634. Again, Pastor Kirk is starting a new series today that talks about those 50 days that changed the world. His message today is entitled, Did not our hearts burn within us? And it's taken for Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35 and verses 44 through 48. Let's listen together.
1: Have you ever noticed how our our calendars seem to uh, regulate and calibrate our lives today? Not just our work schedules and school schedules, which certainly keep us busy enough but even the holidays that we recognize. and In fact, we have those holidays we've all grown up with that we know, that we remember, that we celebrate from year to year, but uh, it seems like nowadays there is a special day for almost everything and almost everyone. Just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Uh, One of the greatest days, I believe, the greatest holiday that we have to uh, enjoy and experience, and that is Resurrection Sunday, or as we more commonly know it as, as Easter. But we have religious holidays, national holidays, school holidays, and so on. And next week, we have another one of those as we come to Mother's Day and then before that month or this month now may 1st is out we will have memorial day and then before you know it it'll be father's day and then it'll be independence day then it'll be labor day and the summer will be over and back to school we live sometimes from holiday to holiday to holiday these large and small uh or less recognized days ...tend to calibrate and regulate our lives at best, or at least they mark the passing of the seasons and of the years. Well, it's no surprise to us, and any student of the Bible is aware of this, at least a little bit... uh, ...that there were special holidays in the Jewish experience as well, even, even today... Uh, But especially in Bible times, there were uh, some very specific holidays, uh, and maybe that's not the right word for it. Um, Specifically, there were some feast days that God, in the book of Leviticus, way back in the Old Testament, gave to his people as spiritual markers In their lives. Now, if you have uh, the worship guide there close by and look on the inside, uh, we have a little illustration showing uh, seven of these feast days and their relationship to one another. And if you'll look at that, you'll see that there were four of these feast days, these holidays, that were recognized in the spring of the year. And there were three uh, that are acknowledged in the fall of the year. Those spring holidays are Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then Pentecost. Those first three, Passover, unleavened bread, or uh, unleavened bread, and first fruits, actually were so close together, they were almost inseparable. Those acknowledgments of those days took place within the space of about three or four days. And they had great significance. They were not just days to get off work or to change your normal behavior, uh, but they had great significance to the people. But even the people celebrating them in the Old Testament didn't fully appreciate what they were pointing towards. And in fact, even before uh, these feasts, the Lord in Leviticus chapter 23 said, the main day that you need to remember is the Sabbath day every week. And so he, uh, he gave them these days. They were markers of time. They pointed towards some things. They celebrated some things. But I want you to notice That those first four, those spring holidays, were all fulfilled already in Jesus' first coming to earth. The things that they were pointing towards were fulfilled in Christ's coming. The fall holidays, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles are still something anticipated. They will not be completely fulfilled in Christ until he comes again. And so between those first four and those next three, we live in the church age. We live in the time uh, between the close of the Old, uh, the New Testament and the time of the second coming of Christ. And that's where we all are right now. We live in the already fulfilled and the not fulfilled. Yet. I'm not sure if it's, yeah, it's there on the, on the screen. The spring holidays of Passover, Unleavened Bread, first fruits and Pentecost pointed towards Christ's first coming. And then the uh, fall uh, feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Tabernacles point towards his second coming. You can read more about those feasts in the book of Leviticus. Uh, but to be very honest, I know what we tend to do, because I do too. We get to some of that portion of Scripture as we read through the Bible, and we get into a lot of that stuff in Leviticus, and man, our eyes just kind of glass over, and we're wondering, Lord, why are you telling us this? Why such detail and such, it seems like at times, uh, unimportant details, but that all had a purpose. We'll not go into these feasts anymore, but you'll know that Jesus was crucified around the time of the Passover, Right? around the time of the Passover. And uh, that Passover marked the, the blood on the doorpost of the Jews. Remember when they were in uh, Egyptian bondage? And it kept them safe when the Lord passed through the land. It kept their firstborn safe. But the blood on the doorpost and the lentil also made the sign of a cross. That even then, it was the cross that was anticipated. Unleavened bread was about purity. You see, uh, leaven always in scripture represents sin and how it permeates our whole being. But unleavened bread was the bread of haste, that they didn't have time to wait for their bread to, to rise as they left Egyptian bondage. But it also symbolizes purity. Uh, and Jesus was a pure sacrifice. The first fruits. If you remember, uh, Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection, and the first fruits came three days after Passover, after the death of Christ. The first fruits was also the marking of the beginning of the spring harvest in Israel. And then later on uh, would be the fall harvest. Uh, and, and so all of this is recognizing God is the Lord of all of it. So, here's what we're going to do. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It was Jesus bearing the sins of the world. And today, we, after celebrating the resurrection, we are in that time between his resurrection And his ascension back to heaven 40 days later, and then 10 days after that, Pentecost, the next big holiday for the Jewish people. Now we tend, and I've done this for years, I'm guilty of it, of once we have Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, we move on to other things. But what I want us to do in these next few weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is the first Sunday of the month of June, I want us to focus on what was taking place with Jesus and his disciples during those 40 days and then the other 10 days getting to Pentecost. We can read about that, uh, about those events in the last chapter of each of the four Gospels. You read about it in Matthew chapter 28, there's a little bit, in Mark chapter 16, in Luke chapter 24, and in John chapter 21, and then in Acts chapter one, and in those five chapters is all we know about what Jesus said and did from the time of his resurrection to the time he went back to heaven. But I believe it would serve us well uh, to spend some time with some of those passages. We'll not talk about all the events. There's not a lot of them, but we'll pick out some, and I believe they'll be very uh, key to our lives over the next few Sundays. But I have a question for you, a key question. Why did Jesus delay his return back to heaven? After he rose from the dead, why did he not just rise from the grave and go straight on home to heaven? Why did he choose to delay his ascension another 40 days and before the Spirit came, a total of 50 days before the church was baptized in the Spirit on Pentecost? Why the delay? Well, let me give you the short answer to that, and we'll see this fleshed out over the next few weeks. He delayed because of the unbelief of his own disciples. He delayed because his own closest followers were having such a hard time really believing Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus in his flesh rose from the dead. Even when they saw him, even when they heard him speak, even when they, they could touch him, they could see him, they could hear him, they were still having trouble believing their eyes and their ears. Now, I'll be very honest with you. I don't understand that. That seems so hard to grasp. How in the world, seeing him, could they not believe? Why would they struggle with their confidence, with their faith? And then I look in the mirror and I see me. And as I read about these men, I'm reading about me. And I'm reading about you. Because we too are so often so slow to believe all that the Lord has said to us. We are so foolish. That we chase after the world. We chase after the wind. Trying to to get what this life has to offer to us. When God offers to us something so much better. In his son Jesus Christ. Well one of those events. One of those uh, occasions. Actually took place on Easter afternoon. If you want to call it that. It took place on the Sunday afternoon, early evening of the resurrection. It's one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. I just love it. It's only mentioned in one other uh, of the Gospel writers. Uh, Mark uh, devotes two verses, basically, to these guys. But Luke gives us a rather lengthy reading. And we're going to walk through it together if you will, with me in Luke chapter 24. We're going to take up our reading with verse 13. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Dan preached about the church at Philadelphia, not PA, but the church at Philadelphia in Asia Minor in uh, the book of Revelation chapter 3, I believe it is. Uh, You have the, the story of the church at Philadelphia. And what that church was known for was the fact that the Lord said, I have set before you an open door. An open door. It's a door that no one else can shut, that no one else can open. Only Jesus can open and close doors for churches. And I want to say to you, The same Jesus that opens doors for churches and closes doors sometimes to churches is the same Jesus that opens minds and hearts and the Word. And I want you to kind of keep your eyes open as we read through this passage for that truth to be told. Verse 13. That very day, Resurrection Sunday, Two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. All of what things? All of the things of the last week or so. And maybe not just that, possibly even some things going back three or three and a half years. Now, these were two of the disciples, but they were not apostles. These were Christ's followers who were numbered in those who believed in Jesus, and they were talking about the ministry of Jesus, specifically how it had all come to a head in the last week in Jerusalem, ending with the crucifixion of Jesus. So these things are what they were discussing. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He is the God who can open eyes and close eyes. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. I mean, the the question was so astounding. As they're walking, they just stop and look at him. Basically, how can you ask such a question? When he said, What is this conversation? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Now understand, Jerusalem had been full of people, more so than the typical population. Because it was a feast day, it had been Passover, and people came from Jews came from all parts of the known world. It was a a feast that at least once in their lifetime they tried to tried to attend. And if you lived with any kind of distance at all that that could be navigated, they would attend as many times as possible every year. And so the streets of the city had been packed. And they said, "Are you the only person?" the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed, deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Now listen to these words in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had placed all of our hopes that he was the blessed hope. Our people for centuries have looked for and longed for the messiah to come and we had hoped and we had placed all of our confidence and we had placed all of our marbles into one basket believing that this this Jesus of Nazareth was the fulfillment of all the promises that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Max Lucato, the author and pastor, describes those words as words painted gray with disappointment. Words painted gray with disappointment. You have some disappointments in your life, don't you? It's the lot of being human, is it not? Things that didn't turn out the way that you thought they were going to turn out. Things in life that haven't, haven't gone the way that you had anticipated. The way that you had hoped. The way that you had expected them to go. It was supposed to be different than this. That's what these men were saying. Words painted gray with disappointment. We utter those words on a regular basis in our lives, although we're not always cognizant, we're not always fully aware of the sadness that we express, the disappointments we express. Oh, let's continue in verse 21. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. Specifically, Peter and John had a foot race to the tomb. And when they got there, they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, remember, that's the Scripture they had. They didn't have the Gospels. They were not yet written. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Have you ever seen the books, the kids' books that you open up? And here's this busy scene of hundreds of people working and doing, and the question is, where's Waldo? I just love those books. They're kind of illustrated on my level. You know, draw me a picture. I love trying to find Waldo with his glasses and his red and white striped shirt in the middle uh, of a thousand Egyptians building pyramids. That's so much fun. Where's Waldo? But understand for people in Jesus' day, the Old Testament scriptures were kind of a where's Waldo. Only it wasn't Waldo, it's where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? in the Old Testament. You see, they just couldn't seem to find him very clearly. They had stumbled over him. They couldn't recognize him. They didn't understand fully that that the Passover lamb was Jesus, that the water from the rock in the wilderness was Jesus, that the ark that kept Noah and his family and the animals above the flood was the ark of Jesus, They didn't recognize all these different uh, uh, revealings of Jesus in the Old Testament. Some of them by example, some of them by illustration. Some of them actually pre-incarnate expressions of Jesus as Jacob wrestled with the angel in the wilderness. It was Jesus he was wrestling with. And so for these two disciples who were so confused, who had lost all hope, who had lost all confidence, who had lost all reason for living, and who were so reluctant to hang on to to the testimony of these women who said that the grave was empty, that Jesus had been resurrected. Remember, when they went back to the disciples with those words, the disciples said, or the scripture says, they believed it was just idle words women women talking too much now don't get mad at me they said it I'm just quoting them for you and so reluctant to to hang on to the idea of a resurrection and so what did Jesus do he said oh foolish ones Slow of heart to you know what foolish means there. It means inconsiderate, unintelligent, and unwise. Slow of heart meaning slow of understanding. It means to be heavy-minded. Does your brain ever just feel heavy, sluggish? It's another word for stupid. In other words, Jesus said to them, you intelligent, unintelligent, stupid guys. But he didn't say that in a derogatory way. He said, okay, let me draw you a picture. And so Jesus begins. He begins with Moses in the Old Testament. And he begins to weave together all those different pieces all those different stories. And you see, as, as they looked at those Old Testament stories, it was like looking at, at the underside of a quilt being woven together in process. Did, did your mother or grandmother or anyone ever quilt? And did you ever watch when that was taking place? My grandmother had a, had a frame that on the back porch, a closed-in back porch, that she could let down. And on that, she would work on a quilt top with intricate designs, beautiful colors. But if you got underneath it, And looked up, all you see are threads. All you see are things that that don't make any sense. It looks like a tangled web of nonsense. And that's what the Old Testament looked like to these people in Jesus' day. Even Jesus' followers. He had shed some light during the course of his ministry, but they still had not gotten it. He died on the cross, and they still didn't see the Passover lamb. He rose from the dead and, and they thought it was idle words and it was just too good to believe that it was true. And, and, and was he really the Messiah or just somebody that had some of the characteristics of what we think the Messiah will be when he, when he does come? And so Jesus begins to weave together the different colors and the different parts. He begins to, to connect the dots for these guys. He begins to show them how the pieces fit. And all of a sudden, they're not just seeing Waldo. They are seeing Jesus on almost every page of the Old Testament scriptures. They are seeing how the Lord has been there and how all these stories of their forefathers, of those that lived thousands of years before them, were all pointing towards what they had actually been able to live and experience in walking with the Messiah and hearing from him. How many times even during his his ministry had he told them very plainly that he was going to Jerusalem and he didn't mince his words. He didn't speak in mysterious uh, uh, ideas. He spoke very plainly that when he got there, he was going to be scourged. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be killed. He had told them that But somehow it had just just gone over their heads. There was no room in their heart. There was no room in their human understanding for that making sense. Verse 28. So Jesus is teaching. And they drew near to the village. That's Emmaus, to which they were going. And he acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. We don't know for sure what that exactly means, their eyes were opened. Maybe it was the fact that as he walked with him, his hands were tucked inside his garment. Maybe in breaking the bread for them, they saw the nail prints in his hands where he had been nailed to the cross. Maybe it's just very simply, they, they saw his hands. Or maybe it was something more mystical, more spiritual than that, that just as their eyes had been, had been prevented from recognizing him earlier. Now that veil had been taken away from their, their understanding and they could see that the Messiah was right there with them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then, taking up in verse 31, and he vanished from their sight. He was just gone they said to each other, I love this, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? As I said a moment ago, the same God who opens doors for the church at Philadelphia and for churches today, Is the God who can open eyes, who can open hearts, who can open the Scripture and suddenly make it come alive. Did not our hearts burn? How long has it been since your heart burned within you? How long has it been since some truth of Scripture since some since some word from the Lord since some ministry of the Holy Spirit to your inner being your real man down inside your real person down inside not that not that earth suit you wear around not that That body of skin and bones that that one day is going to be left behind because it's not eternal. It's going to return to the dust from whence it came. But how long has it been since that real person down inside you? That real person who you are? That person you are because God breathed into Adam's nostrils and man became a living soul. How long has it been since your living soul has burned within you with desire for God, with desire for His Word, How long has it been since time with God's people in a worship service has stirred you so deeply that you left church changed? How long has it been since you spent time in the Word and you knew because God made that Word real to you that you were never going to be the same again. That's what these men experienced. And dear friends, dear church family, is what we so desperately need today. Did not our hearts burn within us? So he opened their eyes and he opened the scripture. Verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11. Talking about 11 uh, apostles. And those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. In other words, Peter's testimony is true. We know it is because we've seen him. Then they told what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Skip down to verse 44. In the meantime, by the way, Jesus, just as he had disappeared from those two disciples at Emmaus at the table, now he appears in the room with all of them. So now he's just all of a sudden there. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I Jesus, the Messiah, all of those Old Testament scriptures were about me. They were about me. And they prophesied even of my suffering. They prophesied of all these things. It had to come to pass. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Can I cannot tell you how I love this passage? It evokes something. In me, that I find hard to describe or explain. I suppose if I could go back and, and just be a part of one story out of the New Testament, that may be it right there. The Christ followers had come to Jerusalem with great hope. Then their hope was crushed, and they had lost all hope. Now the rumor mill is on fire with crazy, unbelievable reports of Jesus' resurrection. And they find themselves unwilling or unable to hope again. So what did Jesus do for these people who had lost all hope? He opened their eyes to see. He opened the scriptures to them. And He opened their minds to understand. And all of that he was able to do because earlier that morning, in the wee hours of the morning, he had opened a grave by rolling away a stone. He is the God who opens and shuts, and no one else can shut or open what he does. What does he want to do in you today? In what way? How long has it been since your heart has burned within you as a result of your eyes being opened to God's Word? As a result of God opening the Scriptures to you in a fresh way? As a result of God opening your mind to see eternal, life-changing realities giving you a renewed hope? Maybe our... Prayer should be what Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law.
0: Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.